I should go to that comedy show. It's happening. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will. Um, a good gritty evening to you, Amy. And also to you, Tess. Welcome to the Wilf Podcast. That's right. This is episode six of Wilf. Women I like to follow. My name is Tess. I'm Amy. And we are your co-hosts. And uh, we... We don't need to explain what this podcast is. It's the sixth episode. If you've made it this far, thank you. If this is your first time, go back to the beginning. Yeah, get it. But also, you can start here. You'll get it. Yeah, and take a sip of water. And then go back and listen to all of them and rate us and, you know, make us popular. (laughs) Uh, Tess, how you doing? How's your summer? I'm good, Amy. We are midsummer. We are midsummer. 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 I am... Approaching the end of my technical summer in terms of how I spend my day. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was telling you today, what I've really enjoyed about this staycation of mine the last few weeks is how much I get to shape my day around my bodily functions. Oh, mm. It's relaxing. I don't have to <laughs> uh, stuff my face as soon as I get hungry because I don't know when I'll be able to eat next. I can eat at my leisure and my leisure. <laughs> mm. And you? How's your late July? The opposite. Oh? <laughs> I mean, also good. Uh, it's going well. I'm in a class about art and mm. public art and murals. I'm doing comedy. I'm doing work. I'm out and about, constantly walking in the heat. Mm. <laughs> but I do feel a sense of, of scrambling all the time of like trying to fit it all in and get it all done. This is my busy season somehow. Wow. But we're thriving. We are. You wrote a whole three-page paper proposal yesterday while working full-time. Shh, don't tell my boss. You did it on your lunch hour. That's what I meant. Oh, yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I did. I wrote a paper proposal about um, the lack of sculptures memorializing historic women. Mm, Wilfs, one could say. Oh, yeah, one could. What Sylphs? Sculptures I like to follow? Mm. Uh, women I'd like... Women I'd like to memorialize. (laughs) Because there are how many statues in Philadelphia that memorialize women? Well, statues of Philadelphia that memorialize real historic women and show their full bodies in sculpture, too. And how many show Ben Franklin? His full body? His full, paunchy body? Yeah. Ten. Wow. Yeah. That reminds me of that statistic about how there are more men named John on the... Forbes 500 CEO list than women. <laughs> yeah, more men in late night named James yeah. than there are women or people of color. Right, or people not named James. Um, yeah, <laughs> honestly. Uh, yes, I think it. this is a similar problem as far as stat- full-bodied statues of people of color, but I am talking about an installation somebody did regarding the lack of memorialized mm. women and all of the numerous women in Philly's history that have significantly shaped it. Indeed. Um, we have a new wolf to we do. Uh, discuss. Um, uh, speaking of intersecting. Yes. Um, her name is Layla Saad, L-A-L-Y-A, space, S-A-A-D. Yes. Um, she is... Would you like me to read her bio? Yes, I just please. pulled it up. On her bio, it says, Layla Saad is a globally respected writer, speaker, and podcast host on the topics of race, identity, leadership, personal transformation, and social change. She is East African, Arab, British, Black, and Muslim. 
she uh, is from, I think she primarily has lived in the UK and now in Doha, Qatar. And she uh, has a white supremacy workbook, mm-hmm. which has gained a lot which, of attention. Which, to be clear, is not about becoming better at white supremacy. No, it's, it's about confronting <laughs> how white supremacy has affected and infected you. Yes, it is called Me and White Supremacy. Started out as a PDF and is going to be published yes, as a book next year. Yes, it will soon be her first full book. And we will be getting it. Oh, yes. Um, we'll be digging deep. We were introduced to her because on her podcast, which is called Good Ancestor Podcast, the ninth episode's guest is none another wealth glennon doyle um so amy and i listened to the episode mm-hmm. separately through our separate headphones that's right separate days i listened to it while walking downtown i listened to it also while doing my job <laughs> stop sounding me tess I'm sure you are not the only person at that coffee shop listening to a soul-inspiring podcast while doing work. Yeah. Um, and we will talk more about why we think she is a wolf later. But yes. first, we'll, we'll debrief the podcast itself. Yeah. Um, did it have a title? I don't uh, I think it was just Glenn and Doyle, like yeah. guest Glenn and Doyle. Yeah. Uh, the yes. premise of the podcast itself is that um, Layla is using the podcast and conversations with her guests to answer one burning question, what does it mean to be a good ancestor? Yes. And how can she be one? Yes. Uh, she primarily interviews people of color. She has only, Glennon is only the second uh, white person that she has had on to interview. And they talk, they acknowledge that quite a bit, that it's an intentional choice to not interview many white people and to uh, only, not to say that the two people that she has chosen are exceptional, but that they are willing... To be awkward. Yeah, they are willing to, you know, not not be the experts in right. this. And yeah, the um, I did a little research on Layla after because I was so moved by her work. Um, her media empire includes a long-running blog and it includes an uh, a now um defunct i guess podcast i don't know it's uh, she's not producing it anymore but what the before good ancestor she had oh. a podcast called wild mystic women podcast oh. or wild M- mystic woman which sounds like the uh, like another name for wilf <laughs> yeah did um, we steal her thing are we appropriating oh no no i don't think so um hers uh, it's really interesting i think you'll like it it's about accessing the divine feminine, sacred Ooh, yes. femininity, mm. the dark feminine. And mm-hmm. in a couple of the blog posts I read, she has a lot of um, references to uh, powerful women in all kinds of mythological traditions and folklore. Your mm. favorite folklore. I love folklore. Um, and she had a um, very popular, virally popular blog post a little bit ago called I Need to Talk to Spiritual White Women mm-hmm. about what they're doing, which... Um, Spiritual white women is also a... Another way of saying wilf. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not... Wilf is not exclusively white. But this it, is an important moment for us to acknowledge... That we originally were going to call this podcast Wise, Wise white, white Women. women. Not because we think... Because we thought it was funny. Yes. Because and we thought it was tongue-in-cheek because all of these women that, that we were aware of happened to be white and there was this sort of... What what Layla refers to in this article, this sort of spirituality... Without 
um, confronting the pain of the work of social justice. Yes, and I don't think that is actually true of the I think, wolves that we follow. Yeah, I, I like to think that they are more um, inclusive. They seem to be addressing social justice more and more. Mm-hmm. I think it's evolving as they grow up yeah. and get more connected. And has co- have conversations with these with Yeah, women and get like women. more in the public eye. But it is important to not just put wise white women yeah. in that role. And then say that because they know Oprah or they've met Michelle Obama that that counts yeah. as um, de-whitening them. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It really, really does. And a lot of white people have met those two women. <laughs> yeah. Layla introduced this concept of um, light washing mm. um, or um, the, the kind of um, uh, message that uh, spiritual white women send of good vibes only. And I'm mm. holding up a, a peace sign here and like closing my eyes, you know, not looking at the injustices of the world. Uh Um, And that is definitely not, we don't follow women who are only good vibes only. Those would be the peaceful barbs of the world. If you recall from earlier episodes, they repost repost kind of empty, vacuous memes. Sorry, our our recording. Our recording stopped, but now it appears to have not stopped. So that was a gasp. For nothing. Um, we're bringing in the reality of our situation. You know, mm-hmm. we're so authentic. Um, we are. The uh, peaceful barbs of the world are the ones who repost kind of vacuous um, memes on naturey backgrounds that don't acknowledge that there are many reasons why somebody couldn't just choose good vibes right. only. Um, or day, if the day is bad, call it a night. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of difficult, non-optional things right. that many, um, many people of all walks of life have to deal with right. and encounter. But especially, uh, and this is a, a large part of the conversation between Glennon and Layla, that there are many parts of, um, of life that people of color. Uh, she sort of. She uses the acronym. BIPOC, Black Indigenous People of Color. Mm-hmm. That uh, that these people have to deal with, and that and their anger is uh, justified and powerful. Justified and powerful, and often not optional. Right. Uh, frustration, anger, exhaustion. Right. Those are natural reactions to the hardships they experience, and it is a privilege of whiteness. It is a privilege of wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is to be able to say, I've had enough. Right. I'm going to not think about I'm this hard thing anymore. sit here with my cup of warm tea and just um, meditate on all goodness. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's possible sometimes and also not other times. Yes. And and I think, uh, I think there's an importance important difference in my mind between acknowledging that privilege mm-hmm. and um, self-flagellation for that pri- mm-hmm. privilege or ignoring that privilege. Like, ignoring the worst. Yeah. <laughs> ignoring that that is true for you and not for other people and not caring is wor- worst option. Um, I think middle, middle ground, better but still bad, is I realize I have this privilege and, and so I will um, 
be paralyzed with the guilt around it. Yeah, I will only experience shame that I have this when other people don't. And I will not take advantage of it. Or, I mean, not take it, but I will not appreciate it or or use it in any productive right. way. But will just feel paralyzed and... Right. Defensive and aggressive in various ways. Passive-aggressive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Glennon proposes in this podcast episode, she talks about... Um, walking around with a deep humility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and that was, that's very different from guilt. Yes. Humility is I am open to being moved. I am open to um, recognizing my flaws. I am growing listening from them. more than I'm speaking. Yeah. I acknowledge that I'm probably not the expert in whatever is being talked about mm-hmm. or the experiences that... I understand that the internal work I do is for myself. It is not to get brownie points from, uh, well black and brown people around me. Yes. And I think that's really important. And I think, um, I think that it's, it's hard. It's hard to walk that line. Mm -hmm. It's hard to not just feel shame and it's hard to not just avoid the hard questions or the hard realities when you have the ability to ignore them. Mm -hmm. That's a real tempting thing to do. Yeah. Um, one of the other, uh, something that I, makes me think of is I read a criticism of Oprah Mm. a little bit ago about how um, her show and her kind of ethos promotes, especially her magazine, promotes um, buying a lot of things. Oh, yeah. You know, buy... Favorite things. Yeah, buy those favorite things and you will feel better. You can work on yourself by listening to this Deepak Chopra audiobook or watching my Super Soul conversation with Eckhart Tolle. And you will be better. And all of these things um, imply that internal work and internal satisfaction and pleasure will heal the wounds caused by systemic Mm. issues. Capitalism, racism, all these things. And that's kind of what Good Vibes only does as well. Yeah. Is like, um, you know, uh, help yourself be, be the one light in the world rather than confront that the entire world is, has a faulty electrical system. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think, like, specifically talking about this conversation, mm-hmm. I thought it was... With, you mean, Glennon Between and Glennon and Layla. It was, um, it was really interesting, and it wasn't always comfortable. I didn't know, I wasn't always like, man, Glennon, you're nailing it. You've done... But I did appreciate the um, attitude that they both had of it's worth sticking in the conversation and talking it out. We respect each other a lot. Um, and that it's, it's going to be awkward. Mm -hmm. And I think this is one of the main points that they came, that they kept coming up for both of them, which is it's not the most important thing. Isn't that you know the right thing to say and that you always say and do the right thing. The most important things are showing up, listening, and then when you don't do the wrong thing, responding with humility. Yeah. And not um, not becoming defensive. Right. Not overcorrecting. Right. And and saying, like, oh, look at all the work I've done. Will you praise me? Will you forgive right. me? Give me, give me, give me. Mm-hmm. And not making it about you. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, are there any particular moments you recall where you were uncomfortable while listening to it? Huh. I mean... Not, not notably. I was mostly excited. I was yeah. mostly enjoying it. I think, but I do think just in general, there is a tension when that is mm-hmm. a topic of, like, I feel it now while we're talking mm-hmm. about, like, 
Oh, we're stepping very okay. carefully. We're both hesitating more before we speak. This isn't, I think, a place where we feel free to just talk and talk. Right. And <laughs> you and I do operate from a pretty confident verbal platform, <laughs> and it is probably good and humbling for us to not know what to say all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's, it is something that I want to be better at, and it's something I think the... And what the, do you mean by it? Uh, be talking about talking about race, talking about my own privilege, mm-hmm. and then also directly addressing yeah. those imbalances in the world. I think I that I notice them. I notice injustice a lot. I notice racism a lot. I try my best to not be racist myself, but there is a lot more internal work that I could do Mm -hmm. to discover how growing up in a racist society has affected me. Uh, How the little things that I do that I don't realize that I do that are um, microaggressions or are just subtly taking up more space than I I need to take up that other people would really like to have. Yeah, um. yeah. I uh, I share that, and that's why I want to do this white me and white supremacy workbook. Mm-hmm. Um, I I felt uncomfortable in the beginning because I found myself like almost crossing my fingers, hoping that Glennon was going to represent me well. Oh yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I was I was listening to it through the lens of like, oh, how does how does Layla view this white woman? Mm-hmm. How do Layla's um, listeners view this this white woman who's coming into this um, specifically made space for people of color, mm-hmm. and I was I, I was thinking like, gosh, is does Glennon just sound like a like a little waif kind of floating through the podcast world, mm-hmm. just like uh, sharing her stories as if they're most in, the most important? Maybe they're not. Maybe she's just like. You know, maybe they would scoff at her. I, I was mm-hmm. just kind of, I was, I, I was aware that I was projecting onto Glennon, and mm-hmm. I wanted Glennon to do well because if she does well, and I am like Glennon, then I am the good white person too. Right. And if boy, this... do I want to be the good best white person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so badly. Yeah, so badly. <laughs> yeah, um, and all of that implies that that doing is how you get there rather than the being. And I feel like mm-hmm. doing the internal work, which is some way of doing involves, mm-hmm. <laughs> involves, um, becoming, um, anti-racist. And that is much more than reading books and, and just hoping and donating. And mm-hmm. like there is, there is another frontier of anti-racism that I don't even, I don't know what it is exactly. I don't know if I've met anybody who's truly anti-racist. Any white person. Uh, uh, yeah. 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 Um, anyway, so that was my, and when I let that go, I, I let that go when I, th- I think Layla kind of addressed it at one point. She's like, I didn't invite you on here to be the, um, premier white person <laughs> because right. you're doing really well. I invited because of how you talk about these things and I know you have a following. Right. Um, and right. she does. That's why we were listening. Yeah. Uh, so I think, yeah, I, I did. I felt some of that too. Like, if this woman that I like and follow does well, then I'm doing well. Right. And it's like, not the same. <laughs> it's not the same because this work is internal. Yeah, it's about foremost. each person's actions and thoughts and patterns. Yes. And, and the and the fact that this is a continuous journey that we we're not going to get a if, when we do this workbook, we're not going to get a certificate that says, "Congrats, you're." Uh, 
<laughs> you're good. You're one of the good ones now. <laughs> yeah. No, certain. Uh, I will still mess up for the rest of my life and perpetuate some element of this racist system. And hopefully I will become more and more aware of it and find other ways to counteract it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are some of the other things that they talked about that, um, well, the like, original made an impression on you? Uh, one of, there were moments of humor, which, oh, I yeah. love. um, they're both excellent speakers, of mm-hmm. course, you know, both very good at distilling their ideas in a way that is, um, comfortable and humble. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Layla introduces her as, as the Christian mommy blogger or mentions it. And yes. Then, and then Glennon mentions, and that's, I believe how I introduced her in episode one. Yes. Uh, and yeah, I think that's, that's the common thought, but she, Glennon mentions very funnily and frustratingly that no one referred to her as a Christian mommy blogger until it came out that she was dating and going to marry Abby Wombat. Yeah. <laughs> it became a clickbait uh, point of interest mm-hmm. that this Christian mommy blogger <laughs> was marrying this like noted lesbian. <laughs> and she is Christian, and she was a blogger, and she is a mother. Right. But Christian mommy blogger has a very specific vibe to right. it which was never I think what she was about no, and she was not always, how people identified her yeah she was always going for writer human radical truth teller yeah so it wasn't person. I think when I think Christian mommy blogger I think the like a lot of love and light a lot of like peace science love and light and then a lot of tips and sort of uh cu- cute stories mm-hmm. about um, how they handle making lunch for everybody, right. how they handle family vacations. Right. And I, I know that sounds condescending. I don't totally, I mean for it to be a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, because I do think. That is a little bit of what Glennon does. She posts yeah. about silly things that happen with her family. And... But I don't think she does it in a way. I, mommy blogging, as I've sort of vaguely experienced it as a non-mom. <laughs> uh, a non-mommy. Uh, is... A lot of sort of looking like you have it all together and doing very charming instances of it not going right. great. Um, and then there's probably also a, a Jesus Christian element to it. Oh, yeah. And oh. Glennon mentions God and a ch- church, the idea of church, but she doesn't mention Jesus much. No, not a lot. And she, when she does, it's usually sort of, she ex- sort of explains what she means when yeah. she thinks of Jesus. And... And yes, I believe a lot more of her writing is about the hard things that she has navigated and yeah. less about the the sort of charming how-to. Yeah. Um, I, she's less about putting the really shiny right. uh, filter yeah, on Yeah, she her. doesn't want to put her representative out anymore. That's She talks about that in this. Mm-hmm. In one of her earlier essays, she talks about how... She was tired of, of sending her representative out to represent mm-hmm. her. She was falling apart. She didn't want to pretend to be this put-together Christian mom. <laughs> uh, I think it is a uh, it is really interesting, like, little stories like that, how you realize that you come to identify celebrities and people by the names that media... Mm-hmm. Have, the, not the names they have given themselves. Right. Not the titles that they have claimed all the time. Um... It's like calling calling Elizabeth Gilbert a chiclet self-help writer right. when she 
got her start writing for men's magazines right. and writing fiction, writing primarily fiction that was not terribly successful. Yeah. Uh, that the way that someone comes into the public eye and gets covered becomes the like totality of how many people perceive yeah. them. Do we do that by calling these women wilfs? A little. Mm-hmm. We're categorizing them, yeah. but I think if that if we just like that's a wolf and stop talking, <laughs> we're having full conversations about a lot of the One stuff going on. One could say we started a podcast about them. Yeah. Um, so back to Layla. Yes. Um, let us what, looking at my notes here. Um, I guess who talked more in this podcast? I think Glennon talked more. Yeah. I think. And I'd be curious what previous episodes were like, but it seemed like that was yeah. Layla's intention was to ask questions and like yeah. for it to be an interview, yeah. not for Layla to be telling her it's not her her life story. Yeah, um, they she talks about her sobriety journey and how much that has informed her. Um, Glennon did. Yes, her urge to. Um, deeply listen, deeply validate others, mm-hmm. um, which on brand for her, certainly. Um, yeah. And, and overall I thought uh, I could, I could sense that these women were like really in, in commune with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they both bring their whole selves to every mm-hmm. expression of themselves, that they are not different behind the mic as they are outside the room where the mic is. <laughs> right. Yeah, and they noted that, I think Layla noted that about Glennon, is that something she appreciated about her is that the way she represents herself in social media, the way she represents herself on stage in front of big crowds, the way she has represented herself on other podcasts, and the way that she represents herself in one-on-one conversation off the mic, it's all pretty consistent. Yeah. With, like, she talks the same way, she has the same tone, she says the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I think, a really... One time I heard um, Mike Schur at the Creative Parks and Recreation talk about the creation of the character Leslie Nope, played by Amy Poehler, and that the thing that they nailed down about her character is that she is the same and she she doesn't... Um, code switch. Cha- yeah, switch. I guess a code switch seems like a heavy way to describe it on the sitcom, but yeah, she doesn't code switch depending right. on if she's in a city council meeting or flirting with a boy. Right, right. She she is herself. She and behaves the same way no matter what situation she's in. And I think that holds up fairly well in the show. I think that holds up for a lot of wilfs as well. And yeah, it's something I find really admirable is when and we were talking about Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> last week, but People, women especially, who have figured out who they are Mm -hmm. and don't feel the need to adjust to someone else's expectations, uh, depending on their circumstance. Yeah, I am still working on that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I I don't know what the difference is between, like, being kind and and being able to talk and socialize with any kind of people, you know, any group, Mm -hmm. and... Not just conforming to what I think that group wants. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to feel more sure uh, that I'm carrying the same thing to each group. That I'm not just uh, being a yes, a yes gal. 
Yeah, I don't think you. I don't get that impression oh. from you, but I do think it is a part of a part of growing up and coming into your mm-hmm. own to realize sort of this is my center. This is. It's not so much about making everyone around me comfortable. Yeah. I think oftentimes people are present, like when somebody says, oh, well, she really knows who she is or Mm -hmm. about a man also. Sometimes I interpret that as, oh, that means they're kind of abrasive in Mm -hmm. social situations they don't like. And that's not what I want to be. No. I want to be the person who can think to herself, yeah, this really isn't for me, but I'm not going to make a fuss about it. I'm going to gracefully exit. Yes. I think a part of that, it's not only not putting yourself in a pretzel to make other people comfortable. It's also noting that you don't need to make other people uncomfortable to make yourself comfortable. Right. Like you can, there are ways to take care of yourself and say what you mean and be kind. Yeah. And unviolent. Yes. (laughs) Um, Let's look at Layla's Instagram. Yes. Well, wait, there's one other thing I wanted to say about the podcast, uh, which I thought was a, um, her running theme and a big takeaway for me was uh it's it's very similar to the humility is the key thing but they were talking about glennon was talking about her sort of realization that she wasn't the white person she thought of herself oh yeah the realization she was looking at pictures of the civil rights movement with her daughters one of her daughters asked like would we be in that march her gut instinct was yes and her other daughter was like oh no because we don't do that that kind of thing now right and that sort of dawning realization of like oh i imagine myself to be the type of person who would stand up with other people that need my presence but i have not enacted that yeah i there were there was a moment when she was talking about um the the white savior mm, complex mm -hmm. and i have been called out for that um at work last year um, and it was a sobering moment when mm-hmm. I realized like, oh, I have, I have no way to counteract what this person is saying. They are correct. Mm. Um, it was about a specific thing that I had said and I will be vulnerable on this podcast and say mm-hmm. what happened next, which is that I burst into tears mm-hmm. when this person said, um, you're treating black people like children and mm-hmm. this, and I, I was like simultaneously relieved, incredibly embarrassed, <laughs> humbled, um, and also crying. And I'm not much of a, of a public crier. And I had the wherewithal to say, don't comfort me. Don't make this about me. I don't know what's happening, but don't, don't comfort me. Uh-huh. Uh, and she was like, I wasn't gonna anyway. <laughs> but uh, I've thought about it a lot since, like why did I have such a physical reaction to one person saying, you're being a white savior right now. And mm-hmm. it was because it was like shaking my foundation. My foundation right. being, oh, I'm not a white savior. I'm the good white person. The yeah. other good white person. The other white meat. Yeah. <laughs> Liberal progressive Jews are the other white person. Um, and uh, yeah, I've, I've kept that within me, you know. Yeah. Often, how am I? How am I thinking of this person right now? Mm-hmm. Am I thinking of them as less than, and then I have to go in and give them the tools they need? Why don't I recognize that they already have all the tools, mm-hmm. um, and that maybe I'm contributing to them not being able to use them, or maybe I don't have to constantly put myself in their narrative. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, I think that. <coughs> I think that is a very 
like salient point <coughs> is that something I do with everyone and frequently feel self-conscious about is that I I comfort, I show that I care, and I show empathy by telling stories about myself. I'm doing it right now. Mm. Um, One could say we have a whole podcast about telling <laughs> stories about ourselves. But I find that that is how I've learned to say I, I am experiencing, I have experienced something like what you're experiencing, and here's how I felt it, here's what I learned from it, here's how I dealt with it. And sometimes that's great when you're talking to a friend who's going through a breakup, yeah. you know, like commiserating that sort of thing getting in the trench with them yeah is a is a way of showing love but i think often it is a way of centering myself in my own feelings because i often feel overwhelmed by other people's feelings and sometimes that storytelling has the effect of one-upping the other person yes or um or just making them listen to me monologue making them listen to my story instead of just saying like that's I'm listening to you I care about mm-hmm. you I would say there's been times where I've I've emoted something and you've told a, a relevant story and it was very helpful and then there's mm-hmm. also yeah. been times where you haven't you've you've waited and mm-hmm. you've told that story later mm-hmm. and it's even more impactful because I've I've gotten the chance to like vent to you or whatever mm-hmm. um thank you and I think sometimes I I do the same thing where I will be like, well, let me tell you about this thing. Oh, right. boy. And it's also, like, you can't always 100% of the time be conscious of how you're interacting with everyone and be all, like, totally intentional and handle everything the perfect way. And there are multiple white... Right? Ooh, <laughs> oh, God. Oh. <laughs> the most I've ever wished that we edited this. Go <laughs> uh, on, what's the white way? <laughs> Uh, well, there there are multiple good ways to that made it worse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> humble, humble roll, roll like a humble stone down this mountain. Yeah. Anyway, there are multiple right ways to handle any situation, and there are multiple things that can be helpful and productive. Mm-hmm. But it's good to notice patterns. Yes. And self-correct, and I think we we talked about this. It's something that they said was it's that what you do when someone does what was done to you, when someone calls you out and says, you did that wrong, mm-hmm. you are doing this wrong, um, you're hurting people, you've hurt me. Mm-hmm. It is how you handle that is, that's the test strip. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. <laughs> yeah, I... I if we're counting how I handle it as everything that's happened since then, not just the crying that happened, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I have learned from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have done more internal work about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, still much more. Yeah, people, I think the, the more I can learn that when I make mistakes to not ask for more attention, yes. and to not center myself, but to just apologize and work, do the work of correcting myself, quietly yeah uh not asking for praise or not asking for somebody else to do the, the labor for you or comfort me like you're yeah. saying or or like pat me on the head you did it you did it it's right okay you're still a good whitey or tell that or just like get the check mark of like yes you did you did what you were supposed to do i think yeah taking taking that hit and say okay right i'm gotta work harder yep gotta gotta dig deeper yeah. 
Um, let's look at yes. Lilith's so, page. Le- so okay, this is the I think the right time to talk about why we believe Layla is a straight up will. Absolutely, she so, is joining the pantheon. She sure is. Um, and I will be subscribing to her good ancestor podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, so she is a wealth one because I like to follow her already. Mm -hmm. Um, she has a mix of, um, selfies with reflections. Deep. Yes. Deep reflections on her life and her experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, fun things like pictures of her kids going on vacation. They're in uh, Paris right Mm -hmm. now. Very like cool outfits. There is a, yep, she's, um, and headscarves. She is, she has numerous posts just about her family and being happy. Mm -hmm. Um, and then she also has a lot of posts about her work, Mm -hmm. her message. Sometimes they are quotes with a plain pastel background. Sometimes it is pictures of her book. Um, or yeah, I think events. Yeah. Advertisements for events. So we're, we, in a future episode, sometime soon, I think we will lay out our, our criteria for what makes a wolf. We feel the need to. From the feedback I've gotten from listeners, mm-hmm. people seem to get it. I think people right. get it. But it's, it's good to have like an understanding, I think, uh, a verbalized understanding. Sure. But sh- Layla is someone who I think we are both inspired and moved by, who has become famous not because of a job that is nat- that naturally like bigots fame right. like acting comedian musician right. uh, but because she has has moved a lot of people has right. set, done important work and unlike many other admirable people she is connected with this chain yeah. of other people and interacts with them in la- mm-hmm. online and she's very active on social media, which is not necessary for someone to be someone I'd like to follow and someone I admire, but for us to have access enough to them to talk about consistently on this podcast. Yeah. And it's necessary. All of our aforementioned Wolves follow her. So yes. Abby, Elizabeth, she's Cheryl Glennon. She's in the world of, of these women and mm-hmm. the, their shared ideas, and they all reference each other. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and she... Yeah. Um, so to restate, her Instagram handle is Layla F. Saad, L-A-Y-L-A-F-S-A-A-D. Follow her. Yeah. And the post that we are talking about, I think it's from July 22nd. Mm-hmm. And it's her in a jean jacket, wearing glasses, with a headscarf, her head resting in her hand, looking tired and annoyed. Yeah. And she's... And she says, traveling while black is a trip. Uh, and I will say, it's not that just that she has the gendered resting bitch face. She describes very much why she is tired and annoyed. Yes. And so it followed by a very long... Oh, this is also another categorization of Wilfs. Just mm. novel-esque captions. That's right. That you can really dig into. Sometimes they expand to the first comment and, of her mm-hmm. if it doesn't fit in the... So what she describes in the caption is an experience. She talks about the variety. She's been traveling with her family, her husband and her children in around Europe. And she talks about how they've noticed often that they are the only black people in particular spaces and the different sort of 
small things that you notice traveling while black, but that they're also um, microaggressions that pop up and just add to the fatigue. Mm -hmm. They are paper cuts upon paper cuts. And she describes one that she just, she said she's ignored most of them, but one happened today that she couldn't ignore and she's done ignoring and she just needed to talk about it. So, uh, she has a long, uh, caption where she describes being in a hotel, uh, at the continental breakfast or whatever, and her daughter wanting some toast and with Nutella because Europe <laughs> and going with her daughter in line, uh, to help her get the toaster and use the toaster and everything. And, uh, that a man was using it and they were standing behind him and, a woman walked up and tried to squeeze in front of them. A white woman. A white woman. And a, she said something. She said, actually, there's a cue because she's British. And the woman was like, oh, I'm sorry, and got behind them. When the man left, this woman reached over <laughs> them and put her croissants in the toaster do, do you think ahead of them. Sidebar, in a in like a two-slot bagel toaster or a toaster this oven? This was a huge question. I had. It's like a toaster oven? Who puts croissants really, in not, a toaster? We shouldn't be centering the toaster. It's true. <laughs> uh, or the croissants or the white woman. Um, or the Wait, Nutella. Because I'm guessing that toaster was white, so everything, croissant, woman, and toaster were all white. <laughs> uh, so, uh, the, yeah, so this woman just not only tried to sort of front them in line, but reached over their bodies yeah. and ignored what she had told them, which was that they were waiting for the toaster. And that she was just furious that this had happened, that it had happened in front of her daughter. She writes, um, in my book, Me and White Supremacy, I talk about white privilege, white superiority, anti-blackness, and white centering. This woman did all of this in a space of just a few minutes and then went on her merry way. Mm -hmm. And I read this and I thought, oh, that's awful. That's annoying. That sounds so frustrating. And also, like, I think there was a, a piece of my brain that resisted, that was like, that sounds super annoying. Is it worth this super long post about what it's like to be black while traveling? Mm. Like this, to give it so much attention and energy. And then (laughs) I went to a show that night and I was waiting to get into the show and get shown to my seat as it was a comedy show. And this man just refused to look at me squeezed in front of me, pulling his girlfriend alongside me and got right in front of me in line, in a line of probably 40 people. (laughs) He just went straight to the front and got his ticket scanned and got in before everyone. The show was not about to start. He was in no rush. And I was furious. (laughs) And this was a white woman with privilege and a white man with privilege. Oh, yes. (laughs) And another white woman with privilege who was holding his hand. And I, I think it was probably good for me to have that reminder that I, I already knew that this was bad but reminding myself how infuriating it feels to have someone think that the rules don't apply to them and ignore what's going on and ignore the people around them and act like they're more special yeah <laughs> like and that they needs they just absolutely have to be yeah. more important and she takes the time to write this very long thing because this happens all the time. Yeah. Her. And this this may have been a, one of several things that happened that day that she could have posted about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
in true will fashion when people respond to her a lot she responds back to every single one of them mm-hmm. um so that is a lot of uh, digital engagement um and lots of people also sharing similar stories of traveling while black and things like that and i do think it is a good consciousness raising thing to think I, in general i respect lines <laughs> and uh, and other people mm-hmm. but that i don't always I'm sure there are many ways in which I I prioritize my own time and comfort over the people around me. Yeah. Especially people of color in ways that I don't I don't always acknowledge or or even consciously register. Yeah. And it's good to point out like, oh yeah, I like always listen to the people who are talking to you. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Um like respect people's personal space and time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. that is Layla Saad. Yes, more from her in the future. Very excited mm-hmm. to learn more. And and I acknowledge that I just had the thought. I was like, oh, we're talking about a black woman. This is good. This is you know, I'm getting we're getting well, this we're is doing good. we're doing we're doing the work. Uh, and that's uh, I can I will also acknowledge. I'm a little bit scared of doing the workbook. I want to oh, do yeah. it, and I know I need to, but I'm afraid of what I will learn. If about I had myself. some disorienting moments just listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. <laughs> then uh, then what will this workbook be? Should we do it together? Or should we do it separately? Separately. Okay. I don't think we should influence each other. That's a good point. Answers. Right. We don't want to perform. We are not performing, <laughs> except for right now on this <laughs> podcast for an audience. Um, but I just last thing I'll say is I acknowledge. Um, I acknowledge that, yes, I want to center myself in this whole narrative. Like, look at me, I'm doing, I'm doing good work. But really, I am, uh, I am, I am uh, white. <laughs> uh, unavoidably. Mm, yeah. Yes. Also Jewish, but also white. I mm. cannot hide behind my Jewishness. Nor can I hide behind... Being a redhead? I don't know. I'm <laughs> very privileged. Okay. Um, we are going to pivot... Um, and check out Wolf Extraordinaire Elizabeth Gilbert. Who's Eliz- yeah, Elizabeth Gilbert posted something this week which spoke straight to my soul. What did she post? Now, tell me, Amy, was it her long post about how my actual job in life is managing my mental health? Well, yes, but no, not that. <laughs> what was it? It was a post, a screenshot of a text that she sent that said, I am eating popcorn and baby bells for dinner. New text. Again. Now, Amy, what did you eat for dinner last night? Popcorn. <laughs> uh, I did not have baby bell cheese, but I did great Gouda on the popcorn. <laughs> I uh, eat a few cherries oh, here's to a twist. feel healthy. Cheryl Strayed wrote back, how do I not know what a baby bell is? <laughs> oh, how does she not know? It's baby bell cheese, people. Yeah. It comes in little wax rounds. Um, lots of fun comments from people. Uh, Elizabeth's uh, hashtag or caption is hashtag This is fifty, <laughs> which is the new uh, rom com with Seth Rogen and Judd Apatow. Also, <laughs> uh, this is fifty. This is also twenty nine. Sure. And for me, twenty eight, twenty seven, twenty six, twenty five, twenty four, twenty three, twenty two, and blast off. As long as I've been living in an apartment. <laughs> uh, you are. N- actually my third roommate to have popcorn regularly for dinner. Really? What does this say about me? <laughs> the kind of women that you gravitate towards are... Oh, boy. Just not together. Not together. Um, 
I mean, I do love popcorn. I also distinctly remember in college writing a note to myself on like a desktop post-it, e-post-it that said, do not eat only popcorn for dinner. You will not feel good. <laughs> had, so you, I, had you done it once? And I think I did bad? it once, yeah, because we had a microwave in my sophomore year suite. Mm, uh, I will say I would, I would not eat microwavable popcorn alone for dinner. There's stuff. There's chemicals in that bag. So you feel like doing it the old-fashioned way on a stove, shaking that pot, grating that cheese is more... I'm not saying I feel great, (laughs) but it is something that I can reliably eat and not feel off or weird Mm -hmm. that night or the next day. And I would say probably it wouldn't be that way if I were eating lots of like extra butter lovers, movie-style popcorn in the microwave versus like... Popcorn kernels on the stove with vegetable oil. Yeah. And then lots of butter and cheese. But, like, there's not that weird... I don't know, that that electric yellow It's, like, soft butter. but also hard somehow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's on the inside of... We don't have a microwave. How would your life be different if we had a microwave? Nachos. Oh, really? Yeah. Straight up nachos. Oh, I make those immediately. In, the, in the oven. It's but I haven't as... done it recently. I think when I do it in the oven... The chips get kind of stale, and the cheese burns Uh, in the microwave. The cheese melts, and the chips pretty much stay the exact same. What else do you put on your nachos? Cheese. That's it? Cheese. Okay, because I've done, like, beans, tomatoes. not at home. I don't have the energy. Once I did tofu. God, that was a bad idea. (laughs) No, Amy just grimaced. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Yeah. I would also my I my dad gave me a special thing that pops popcorn with oil like I cook it on the stove but in the microwave it's like oh. this special silicone contraption contrap- wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I would use that. Oh, I guess I would reheat my food more. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, leftovers. Just eat it cold. Yeah, microwaves are great. I had many in a an apartment without them and it's fine to not have them yeah. they take up far too much space they do and in small kitchens yeah they do use a lot of electricity but nachos <laughs> um i completely forgot that i could be making nachos what have i been doing with my life i don't know oh boy should we have a nacho night mm, yes mm. let's go buy a microwave <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I, I guess we talk about this post only to say, Elizabeth Gilbert, we see you, and you're doing it right. Yeah. I, I feel like I should admit something that I... Um, you're very diligent about your food. I think we could talk about the boiled eggs, though. Oh, boy. I didn't <laughs> think this was this weird. <laughs> What's so wrong with it, Amy? Is Tell it, the people. No. Okay. It's not that weird, but I think it's the same level as eating popcorn yes, for okay. dinner. I have recently... My whole life, I have enjoyed a hard-boiled egg. Yes. I was that that girl in the cafeteria in fifth now, grade. Now, this could be polarizing. Maybe people fall in your camp and my camp and never the twist Sound between. off. Sound off in our text. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. am perfectly fine eating a hard-boiled egg with nothing on it. So, the way Tess eats a hard-boiled this egg. This was one time. This it's, is, you no, distinctly right. said this happens every time I eat boiled eggs the time I watch this happen. <laughs> That's a good point. She, she gets them out of the refrigerator, whole, and then just eats it like an apple. I, well, I, I, I take the shell off, first You take of all. the shell off. Yes, that's important. But you, it's the whole egg. You don't salt or pepper it. You don't slice it. You just chomp it. 
And then you chomp it so fast that you give yourself hiccups. Every single time I get the hiccups. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this doesn't happen every you're now. Right, you're right. Also over the sink. Which that I think yes, is that important... doesn't always happen. But yeah. That's like the purpose of why I've boiled these eggs in the first place. I can grab them. It's like this quick protein and fat snack. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I can do it over the sink because I can just put those shells down the garbage disposable disposable (laughs) and wash and wash my hands right after right sometimes i do put hot sauce on it sometimes i do put salt but i'm not above just a plain hard-boiled egg see hard-boiled eggs are for me a delivery system for salt Mm. or devil devilishness deviled (laughs) eggs or to make into egg salad yeah i want i want mayo mustard salt and pepper or I would just want a lot of salt and pepper. Do you realize... And I slice it in half or in quarters. That as we've been talking about these foods, we have only mentioned white foods. Popcorn, <laughs> baby bell cheese, hard-boiled egg, mayonnaise. We are centering whiteness yet again. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so that's all to say. That is to say, we all have our food picadillos. Mm, and do Did I use that word right? Uh, sure. Um, I don't remember. So we're going to play a little game. Mm -hmm. It's a variation on the uh, uh, drinking game or whatever. Mm -hmm. Conversation favorite. Fuck, marry, kill. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to explain it. You already know it. Uh, We're going to do a little twist, a little wolf twist. Yeah. So Amy, Mm -hmm. I'm going to list three activities. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to list... Ralphie. I'm going to list three wilfs. He wants to play. Uh, Well, that would be bestiality, Ralphie. So please don't join. All right, so the three wilfs are, let me find it. Wait, what are the three activities? Oh, three activities. One, let her read the first draft of your novel. Two, go to an amusement park with her. Mm-hmm. Three, invite them as your plus one to a wedding where you only know the bride. Okay, your three wilfs are <laughs> Glennon, uh-huh. Oprah, Elizabeth Gilbert. Once again, let her read the first draft of your novel, go to an amusement park with her and ride the rides. Three, invite them as your plus one. To a wedding where you only know one person. Okay. 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 I think I got it. Okay. I think, um, let her read the first draft of my novel, Liz Gilbert. I think she's the best writer of the bunch. Ooh, hot take. I have a hot take. <laughs> I and, um, I, I want to know what she thinks of mm, me. Because you know she'd I, be very positive. And I want her feedback. I want prolific feedback from yeah, her. Yeah. Uh, Especially mm-hmm. if we're talking about your romance novel, this woman... Loves her some female pleasure. Mm. I'm going to write a romance novel, everybody. And uh, for amusement park fun, Glennon. Mm. I think she can let loose and really scream and have fun. Yeah. Also, she can, she'll bring a bag and carry all the stuff because oh. she's a mom. And if she doesn't have the snacks, she'll make a joke out of it and then she'll go get snacks. Yes. And uh, invite as a, my date to a, a wedding where I don't know anyone, Oprah, because <laughs> I'm the star of that wedding all of a sudden. That wedding is about me, not the bride. Let's say Oprah wasn't her famous self. She was just mm. Oprah. I still think she'd be fun. She oh, would, yeah. She I dances. Think, she I think she'd eats. dance. I think she'd be comfortable making conversation with anyone. I wouldn't feel responsible for her. I think but she'd she, also invite you into a good conversation that she's already having. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think... Oprah would be a great date, a great wedding date, famous or not. Yeah. Okay, those are great. That's much better than mine. I thought of this last minute, and I feel weird about it. That's okay. So we'll undercut do it, again it in the future from the beginning. So <laughs> mine is different. My options are: uh, teach this young person, adopt this young person, or attend summer camp with this young person. <laughs> 
And your options are all three of Glenn's <laughs> kids as one group. Chase, Emma, and Tish? Yes. A young version of Liz Gilbert. Oh my god, yes. Child Liz Gilbert. And then I couldn't think of another one, so I said uh, Glennon and Abby's dog, honey. What kind of dog is uh, She's a French bulldog. Okay. A little adorable white French bulldog. Okay, so teach, adopt, go to summer camp with. Uh-huh. I'll tell you, I would not want to go to summer camp with young Liz no. because she was a troublemaker mm-hmm. and I was the do-gooder at camp. I was right. the one who was like, shh, we have to go to bed early so we can wake up and have more fun tomorrow. <laughs> right. Um, oh, goodness. Okay, I guess I would... Oh, this is tough because I'm not a dog person. I know. Um, I guess I would... I guess I would ad- oh boy. I guess I would adopt young Liz. Mm. Um, because I think she as a child would have as much to teach me as <laughs> as I would her. Um, uh, and she I, she's quite very self-sufficient uh-huh. from an early age, so that would be cool. Um, I guess I would teach honey some mm-hmm. tricks maybe <laughs> to learn how to you- respond on Instagram. <laughs> And then I would go to summer camp with the Meltons because um, they seem like they're fun and interesting, sporty, arty, um, they seem, emotional. They seem great to trade yeah. friendship bracelets with yes. and like you'd have a lot of inside jokes. Yes. And they, um, yeah, they, and then I would get to meet their parents. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and their step-parents. <laughs> uh, you really rose to the occasion on that one. And I would do the same except for I would, I would adopt Honey because she seems really cute and cuddly yeah. and I love dogs. And I would teach young Liz because I feel like she'd be such an enthusiastic student. That's very possible. Be, what would you teach her? Writing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would teach her what she loves. <laughs> um, wow, that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, listeners, send us your suggestions for future Wilf games. <laughs> yes, please. Um, That's wolfpodcast at gmail.com. Also, you have our tech, our numbers you can text us because right <laughs> yeah. now we're talking to our friends and we love that. Uh, and, uh, you know, spread us around. Mm-hmm. All right, Amy, it's time for <whistles> Wilf Whistle. Uh, yeah, so last week my Wilf Whistle was how to start a new habit. And I'm working on it. What's that habit? Meditating. Mm. Loving kindness meditation every night. My trick is allow myself to lie down while I do it and uh, to only try to do five minutes. That's, yeah, I think that's where you're supposed to start. I've yeah. never been able to get beyond five minutes. Um, so, and so far I've done it more nights than I have not. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. I, um, yeah, sidebar, I actually do something every night right before I go to sleep that mm-hmm. I actually got from a wolf adjacent thing in... No, it's a wolf thing. In Eat, Pray, Love, she oh, says wow. that the last thing she does before going to bed is smile. Oh. Uh, and I do that oh, because wow. of that book, actually. Um, I Is it weird that I find that creepy? Uh, no, I don't. I The idea, I think, is good. The, the, thought, the thought of, of like, me. getting all tucked in and then just, like, <laughs> doing a joke or, like, yeah, my eyes are closed there. My mouth is closed. It's not a... I'm not grinning at anybody. <laughs> um, uh, but I think that's great. My wolf whistle now is... Oh, uh, now? Is just, uh, yeah, is just uh, just a wish out into the into mm-hmm. the wolfdom. I just I hope that you're enjoying some summer grilling. Oh. I haven't gotten a chance to, but the week after next, I'll be going to the beach for a little. And, I love uh, we, the smell of a grill. There will be grilling. Oh, I just made myself so sad about how little grilling there's been mm-hmm. in my summer. Which leads me to my current wolf whistle, which is... When you're really busy with a lot of stuff you like and have fun with, how do you rest? How do you say no to fun stuff so that you're not so tired? Yeah. A good position to be in? 
needs an answer. Yeah. Um, so, there you have it. Bye! Hey!